Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Slater Crusaders. Welcome back to Road to Midterms. Now it's time for the Politics by Faith segment. So we have a podcast called Politics by Faith where we take uh, the news of the day. It's causing anxiety or any other series of negative, any myriad of negative emotions. And we find some uh, historical perspective and biblical truth to bring peace so that we can sleep at night make that anxiety go away because when you're anxious you can't think straight and you're not going to make good decisions and we don't want that it's not a good way to live life politics shouldn't be making you anxious i get why it is of course i feel it too every single day that's why i started this podcast because i don't want to feel this way anymore uh but we shouldn't so that's what we do so it's available anywhere you listen to podcasts if you're listening to this on the podcast you're like slater i know i'm listening to it now but you sound different why do you sound different because we're doing the tv show here over on the first tv and this is the last segment however you're watching or listening i'm grateful you're here i want to share one of my uh, favorite bible stories it always makes me chuckle dagon or dagon excuse me dagon dagon d-a-g-o-n dagon was a a false god worshipped across Mesopotamia, uh, particularly by the Philistines and a bunch of other people, right? Uh, Dagon was the father of Baal, B-A-A-L, perhaps you've heard it pronounced Baal or Baal, it's Baal. Uh, Baal was the, or Baal, Baal, was the god that people sacrificed children in front of, right? So, so Dagon was Baal's father. He was the god of fertility. It, it, he was always portrayed as half man, half fish, because the word sort of sounds like fish, and he was responsible for there, he, there he is, bow down and worship him. Uh, responsible if you can't if you watch listen to the podcast, he's like a big mermaid. That's it. He's like King Triton mermaid, and he was responsible for wealth and prosperity. Now I want to make sure my metaphor is clear, so I'm going to come right out right out with it. Politics is many people's false god. Politics is many people's and very often my false god of wealth and prosperity. And I need to remind myself this, how far away are we from the election? I need to remind myself of this of now before election day. That politics is very often my false god of wealth and prosperity. Politics is very often my dagon. If only my team wins, then everything will be great again. Oh, if only then the economy will get better and my life will be perfect. Which politically doesn't even make sense because the Republicans are terrible too most of the time. Like, yeah, a little less bad than the Democrats, but there are no saviors on the ballot. Oh, there's people I support. There's people I like. We were just in Arizona. I like Blake Masters a lot, right? There's candidates I really, really like. No saviors. Still vote. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Still do your civic duty as a citizen of this great country. Let's win elections rather than lose them. But politics is not our savior. So to go back to Dagon, 
Uh, so the Philistines, they captured the Ark of the Covenant. This is in 1 Samuel 5, if you want to read it. I'm not making it up. So the Ark of the Covenant, it's this wooden box made of acacia wood, and it's covered in gold. It's made exactly as God told Moses to build it. And it's this big box, and in it are the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments, right? This was the most important relic that the Israelites had, and the Philistines took it from them. They stole it, and they put it in their temple to Dagon. Philistines are happy. They're thrilled, right? Oh, took the Ark of the Covenant. Fantastic. So the Philistines, they go to sleep. Oh, and they had a very nice sleep. All happy after their great victory. And they wake up the next morning and the statue of Dagon fell over. Fell over on the ground. So they pick it up and they, they, they put it back. Perhaps a little nervous. Must have, must have been a strong wind, I guess. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine never fallen over before and it's a giant statue but no it's it's fine we'll just put it back and everything will be okay so they lift it up and put it back and then they go on their merry way and they fall asleep again that night and they wake up the next morning and the statue is again on the floor bowing down in front of the ark of the covenant and the statue's head and arms are cut off what's going on and then there's this amazing line. It says, Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor all who entered Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon still to this day. <laughs> In other words, we're out of here. We're never coming back. Even the priests are like, eh, see him. So now they meet and they figure out what we're going to do with this ark. What are we going to do with this box? We got to get rid of this thing. So they're talking about, they have a meeting, they're talking about, and tumors break out all over their bodies. So now they're totally freaked out. Like, we got to get rid of this thing. So they put it on some ox and they send it back to the Israelites. And they don't even have anyone, no one's even leading the ox. They're just like, they put it on the ox, they smack the ox, like, get out of here. Good riddance. And I love this story. Because, uh, first of all, it's funny to just think of them when they came back in the temple and it fell over again. They're like, ah. But it also shows how foolish idols are. Just, just the silliest thing. Sorry, I, was, I, I, was, I don't know. I don't want to do a comparative religion analysis here. But when you go to Japan and they have all these temples and they make like these stone things that represent like people and so it's like what in the world? One of my favorite movies, it's unbelievable movies, 13 Lives. It's about the rescuing the kids in Thailand who were stuck in the cave. It's an unbelievable movie. I think it's called 13 Lives. It's fantastic. You have to watch it. But there's this uh, statue out front that, that is, is, is a god, uh, the goddess that is the mountain. You're like, well, that is weird. But we do it all the time. <laughs> we do things just as weird and just as idolatrous as that. But it's so silly. Like a person makes something out of wood or metal and then bows, bows down and worships it. Like, oh, you are my God now. What are you talking about? You made it. You're worshiping something that you made as if you're the creator. That's the problem. Idolatry is worshiping something you made with your hands. Now, it could be something you made, but it can also be something you imagine. It can be something you plan. It can be things you do. The thing is you're doing it. Today, uh, in our world, it's relying on what I can do. My talent, my ability, my superstitions, my routines, my life hacks, my... Dagon. And these idols will eventually crumble. This is uh, Psalm 135. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. 
They have ears but do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. They're just stones or rocks or, or wood. Those who make them become like them, and so do all who trust in them. In other words, they're worthless, these idols. And the more you trust in worthless idols, the more worthless you become. Now, this is tricky because we did a segment just yesterday on the importance of meaningful work. The importance of work, the great value of work and hard work and diligence and all the rest. But work can become an idol too. You can spend all day working and you can lose the ministry that is your family. I saw an interview a while back with, it was a panel with, with John MacArthur and a couple other great pastors. And they were asked what their biggest regret was. And like that, all of them, there were three or four of them, they all said they paid too much attention to their job, which in their case was the church, and not enough attention to their family and their own children. So work can very easily become an idol. Even if you're working for the church, it can become an idol. So you gotta be careful with that. That's the tension. Just a little follow-up to yesterday's segment. But today, uh, my point is that politics can be an idol too. Everyone does it. You see it a lot with Democrats because Democrats are, and this is not being a jerk here, this is demographically true, go to church less often and, and are more likely to be atheists. So if you worship God less, right? You're not worshiping God as much. You're designed to worship something. So you're going to worship something. And politics is an easy replacement for that hole that used to be filled with God. It's a hollow replacement, but it's an easy one. So you have a lot of people worshiping politics, not just Democrats, please don't get me wrong, Republicans, I do it all the time too. So I got two signs that you, you may need to pay attention to uh, if you uh, may be idolizing politics. First, uh, is your hope in the next political victory? Do you ever think to yourself, if this person wins, then everything will be so much better? Some things will be better, <laughs> not everything. But then also the flip side, if your team loses, oh, this is the end. This is the end. There's no hope. There's no hope. What are you hoping in, exactly? Just two signs that you may be too much in the world and not enough in the word. And I'm talking to myself here. I'm talking to myself. Don't stress too much either way. As Eric Erickson said earlier when I asked him about this. Actually, I didn't ask him. I just asked for any advice, and this is, this is what he said. It worked out perfectly. And you're saying, but Slater, if the Democrats win, it's going to be terrible. Yeah. I think of this line, though, from Paul Washer. I think about it a lot. He said, persecution has never hurt the church. Persecution has never hurt the church. Only prosperity. So even if we see incredible persecution, whatever's next, that's not what's going to hurt the church. And this is the great tension. And I think this is why tens of millions of Christians don't vote. They don't. Tens of millions of Christians don't. They tend to think that politics is of zero significance, right? That it's of, it's of no importance at all. And you're like, oh, how do you balance this right? I don't know. I mean, in Daniel 2, it says God disposes kings and raises up others. So God's in control. There's no question. God disposes kings and raises up others. God's in control. But the next sentence is he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. To do what with? What are you going to do with your wisdom and knowledge and discernment? A lot of things. But isn't one of them to vote properly? Make good decisions there? You have an opportunity that very few people have ever had and very few people even have today to vote for people who make decisions 
that will affect you and the country you live in. And maybe silly things like taxes. But also, I don't know, should we castrate children? Should we allow abortion? I mean, those two alone are what the Philistines did in front of their god Dagon and Baal. Ritualistic cross-dressing and sex and child sacrifice. So we can vote if you want to keep doing that or not. That's part of it, for instance. I see no reason not to be involved in the political process. And I would say people of wisdom and discernment like you are profoundly needed in this game. Republicans are going to win a lot on November 8th. It's going to be great. It'll be a fun day. It's not everything. I'd rather have them win than lose, and I'll celebrate. But let's not make it an idol. We will win elections, and we will lose elections. Thank God that politics is not our daggone. You can subscribe to our podcast, Politics by Faith, everywhere. You listen to podcasts. If you are listening right now, thank you for subscribing. We, uh, we got to get to 1,000 reviews. Once we get to 1,000 reviews, then we hit the big time. So if you could please leave a five-star and quick little sentence, uh, that would be superb. Greatly appreciated. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow back on Road to Midterms. Spread the word.